You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 271. Hi there, Rockstar, and welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm your host, Christina Cantors. I help professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more about our training programs at thecmethod.com. Today, we're exploring the concept of perfectionism. We're going to be looking at the dangers of this mindset, why it holds you back, and the benefits of letting your perfectionism go. Now, this is a topic that I am deeply passionate about, and I have done a few episodes already on this podcast about perfectionism. And if you're interested to check those out, I'll pop them in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 271. Now, I was inspired to do this episode this week because the finale of MasterChef Australia was on. Now, if you're not from Australia, MasterChef is a very, very popular cooking show here. And I like it because it's very much focused on the food and not so much about the contestants being mean to each other or drama to do with their personal lives. It's more about the food. But something that really bothers me about MasterChef is the language that the participants use when it comes to talking about their food and their dishes. And a word that keeps coming up a lot is perfect, 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 perfect. And I wince every time I hear it. So when they're doing, when the um, participants are doing their interviews to camera, they'll say things like, if I don't nail this, I'm out of the competition. They'll say, I really want this dish to be perfect. Or they'll say, the tiniest mistake will send me home, so I need to make sure everything is perfect. Or I really want to impress the judges, so I have to be perfect today. And oh, I just I can't stand it. And the reason for this is because the messaging that this puts out there is so unhealthy. When we aim for perfectionism or when we think that perfection we have to be perfect. Otherwise we fail. It is such a danger to us. And what's worse is they're introducing junior master chefs. So they've got kids coming in and cooking and they go home crying. And I just think, oh my gosh, that's just traumatizing them for life, making them think they have to be perfect. Otherwise they're going to be sent home. But anyway, that's another thing. So here's the problem I have with perfectionism and the way that it's presented on MasterChef and shows like MasterChef, because I'm sure it's not the only one. It's very black and white. So it's very much win or lose. You're either perfect or you're not perfect. And if you're perfect, you succeed. And if you're not perfect, you fail. Now, the problem I have with this is that this is not reasonable and it's not realistic to expect this in the workplace or even in life. It doesn't, life does not work that way. You will not be fired or sent home or broken up with or whatever if something you do is not perfect. Okay, none of us are perfect. And by the way, if you are in a workplace that will fire you if you're not perfect, then maybe reconsider where you're working because that does not sound like the sort of work environment I would want to be I would want to be in. So I want you to think about if you bring this all or nothing approach into your work, This whole perfectionism tendency or this attitude towards perfectionism that is 
demonstrated and celebrated in shows like MasterChef is does this creep into your work? Does this creep into your your home life? Do you set these unrealistically high expectations for yourself and think of yourself as a failure if you don't meet them? If that's the case, then this episode is for you. Also, if you don't necessarily identify as a perfectionist, but you notice yourself setting really high expectations, if you beat yourself up about not achieving a certain level, or maybe if you find yourself taking a really long amount of time to write a, um, an email or to put a presentation together, if you find yourself over-preparing, then chances are you have per- perfectionism tendencies as well. So this episode is for you. And my goal for this episode is for you to shift the way you think about perfectionism and to see it as something, as not as something to strive towards, but as something to let go instead. And what I'm going to do is demonstrate to you some key learnings that I took from, this is going to sound a little random, but I took it from Andre Agassi's autobiography, Open, which I uh, finished reading recently. Agassi played tennis professionally for over 20 years, no, I think it was 20 years, which is a ridiculously long career for a, a, a high-performing professional tennis player. He won eight Grand Slam titles during that time, and he's one of only two men to have won a Golden Slam, which is all four Grand Slams plus an Olympic gold medal, and the other being uh, Rafael Nadal, one of, my, one of my favorite players. So this sounds pretty impressive, right? But his, his autobiography is extremely raw and it dives deep into what, what went into Agassi's, what went on in Agassi's mind. He, in fact, hated tennis his entire career. Right from the time he was forced to practice for hours and hours and hours every single day by his dad, all the way up to the time he retired. And he struggled with huge amounts of self-doubt and depression, self-loathing, feeling isolated and not knowing who he really was for pretty much his entire career. And in his autobiography, he gives a detailed blow-by-blow account of many of his matches where he completely bombed out or maybe he was on the cusp of winning the match only to falter and lose it all. And one part of the book really stood out to me. And it's the, the point in the book where he meets with Brad Gilbert, his soon-to-be coach, and Agassi asks him, tell me what you think of my game and be brutally honest. And what Gilbert had to say really spoke to me, and it's all to do with this concept of perfectionism. And I'm going to read what Agassi writes in this section of, auto, of his autobiography, and I've, I've edited it down a little bit and removed the swear words. So he, here we go. Brad says my overall problem, the problem that threatens to end my career prematurely, the problem that feels like my father's legacy, is perfectionism. You always try to be perfect, he says, and you always fall short, and it Fs with your head. Your confidence is shot, and perfectionism is the reason. You try to hit a winner on every ball, when just being steady, consistent, meat and potatoes, would be enough to win 90% of the time. Quit going for the knockout, he says. Stop swinging for the fences. All you have to be is solid. Singles, doubles, move the chains forward. Stop thinking about yourself and your own game. And remember that the guy on the other side of the net has weaknesses. Attack his weaknesses. 
You don't have to be the best in the world every time you go out there. You just have to be better than one guy. Instead of you succeeding, make him fail. Better yet, let him fail. It's all about odds and percentages. You're from Vegas. You should have an appreciation of odds and percentages. The house always wins, right? Why? Because the odds are stacked in the house's favour. So, be the house. Get the odds in your favour. Right now, by trying for a perfect shot with every ball, you're stacking the odds against yourself. You're assuming too much risk. You don't need to assume so much risk. F that. Just keep the ball moving. Back and forth. Nice and easy. Solid. Be like gravity, man. When you chase perfection, when you make perfection the ultimate goal, do you know what you're doing? You're chasing something that doesn't exist. You're making everyone around you miserable. You're making yourself miserable. Perfection? There's about five times a year you wake up perfect when you can't lose to anybody. But it's not those five times a year that make you a tennis player, or a human being for that matter. It's the other times. It's all about your head, man. With your talent, if you're 50% game-wise, but 95% head-wise, you're going to win. But if you're 95% game-wise and 50% head-wise, you're going to lose, lose, lose. Again, since you're from Vegas, put it this way. It takes 21 sets to win a slam. That's all. You just need to win 21 sets. Seven matches, best of five. That's 21. In tennis, like cards, 21's a winner. Blackjack. Focus on that number and you won't go wrong. Simplify, simplify. Every time you win a set, say to yourself, that's one down, that's one in my pocket. At the start of the tournament, count backward from 21. That's positive thinking, see? Of course, speaking for myself, when I'm playing blackjack, I'd rather win with 16 because that's winning ugly. No need to win with 21. No need to be perfect. Now, I'm impressed that um, Agassi could remember exactly what Brad said to him in that conversation. But in any case, very, very impressive. So Gilbert went on a 15-minute rant about this and Agassi hired him as a coach on the spot. Gilbert then became his coach for eight years, helping him to get to number one and winning six out of eight, six out of his eight Grand Slams. And then throughout the rest of the book, Agassi references Gilbert's coaching, often coming back to this idea of not trying to be perfect. And I thought this was a beautiful demonstration of how such an elite sports person, such as Andre Agassi, someone at his level, even at his level, perfectionism was what, what held him back. Perfectionism was his, or was going to be his downfall, and he had to learn to let that go. So I want to dive into some of the lessons that I took from just that one, that one page um, of prose there. And I've got four, four things I want to draw out for you. And the first lesson is be better than the other guy. And of course, they were Gilbert's words to Agassi. When I say other guy, I don't necessarily mean literally the other guy. Um, but in Agassi's case, right, even to win a Grand Slam, he didn't he didn't have to be perfect to win a grand slam. He just had to be better than his opponent. 
Now, for you, well, for all of us, when it comes to us day-to-day in the workplace, our communication, I don't want you to take this literally and go, oh, well, everyone I speak to is my opponent. I have to be better than them. I want to think. I want you to think about you being a little bit better than your last communication. Or say, let's say you're giving a presentation. Give, be a little bit better than your last presentation. You don't even need to be better than your colleagues or your boss. The only realistic comparison that you can make is with yourself. So maybe your goal is, you know what? Instead of trying to be perfect, I'm going to try to be a little bit better than what I was yesterday. And you don't even have to be better at all the things. Because let's face it, when it comes to, let's say, facilitating a meeting or doing a presentation or having a difficult conversation, there are so many different skills of communication required to do that well. So you don't, I don't, I'm not putting pressure on you to do everything better than what you did yesterday, but maybe today you focus on making eye contact more frequently. Maybe you focus on having, um, maybe you focus on engaging with your audience more. Maybe you focus more on slowing down and using pauses in your communication. So what if everything else goes out the window? You're taking the time to improve that one thing each day. So that was the first the first thing that I, I thought, you know, this is powerful. We can take, it, take this away from Gilbert's rant at Agassiz. The second thing that Gilbert says to Agassiz is when you chase perfection, you're chasing something that doesn't exist. Now, I love this because there is, when we think about what is perfect anyway, it really is unobtainable. There is no such thing as a perfect presentation, a perfect email, a perfect meeting. One definition of perfectionism is striving for unreasonably high standards, often set by ourselves. And I want to put the emphasis on that, unreasonably high. We're actually not making it fair for ourselves. Just as uh, Gilbert says to Agassiz, you're taking on too much risk by trying to be perfect you, there's a huge amount of risk there because perfection's not even a real thing that you can achieve. So instead, and this can be a challenge, but something to aim for is to become comfortable with making mistakes. So instead of chasing perfectionism, going, you know what? It's okay to not be perfect. I'm not expected to be perfect. I'm not going to be judged for, be- for not being perfect. You know, I mess up all the time. I'm constantly working on my own communication and I screw up all the time. I'll mess up my words. I'll forget where I was, where I am in my presentation. I was running a webinar the other day and I went to share my screen and I said, hey, can everyone see my screen? And I just got all these blank stares from people. And someone's like, all we can see is black. I was like, oh, okay. So I just had to close the window and try again. So that was a little mistake that I definitely didn't, I wasn't able to get technology working perfectly. I will sometimes, I mean, I say, I say, um, I forget, I mess up all the time. As you can hear on this podcast, this podcast's definitely not perfect. Because if I was to aim for perfectionism, oh God, I don't even think I could get a podcast out every week because I'd spend all week agonizing over it and editing it over and over again. And you wouldn't even hear this. 
So mistakes are what make you human, my friends. So you need to accept that and know that other people will also forgive you if you make a mistake. In fact, they may not even notice. You're probably the only one who's noticing. All right, third lesson from Gilbert's rant to Agassiz. He says to him, you always try to be perfect and you always fall short and it messes with your head. So in the book, Agassiz details what goes on in his head when he's playing an opponent and the amount of times where you're reading it going, oh, come on, Agassiz, you could have totally done that. But his own head is just like he's just losing confidence and it's frustrating to read, to be honest, really frustrating to be read, to read. But I want you to think about how if you're striving to be perfect, how falling short of perfect does mess with your head. So how much time have you spent ruminating over something? Let's say after you've given a presentation or after you've had that difficult conversation with your colleague, thinking to yourself, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. Or why didn't I say this? You're so stupid. Why didn't you think of that on the spot? Or maybe you're worrying for something that's about to happen in the future. Many of my clients that I speak with, they'll say, oh, I can't sleep for a week before my presentation because I'm stressing so much about it or because I'm over-preparing and working so hard to try and get it perfect, try and get my slides perfect. Think about how much time you are spending on making something perfect and how is that making you, or how, how much less productive is that making you? What is that taking you away from? Is that taking you away from being present with your colleague when they're trying to have a conversation with you? Is it taking you away from having a healthy night's sleep? Is it taking you away from being fully present at dinner time with your family and your kids? So think about what your perfectionism is doing to your head and what it's taking away from in other areas of your life. You may find that your striving for perfection is actually making you miserable, just as it was making Agassiz miserable. And he was making millions of dollars, by the way. <laughs> he was still miserable. All right, that was number three. I've got one more for you. The fourth powerful idea I took from Gilbert's Coach Gilbert's rant to Agassiz is it takes 21 sets to win a slam. Focus on that number and you won't go wrong. Now, this sentiment is all about shifting your focus. So Gilbert was saying to Agassiz, instead of focusing on being perfect, focus on winning 21 sets. That's what it takes to win a slam. Just count it down, 21, that's all I need. And even then, Gilbert said, I'm happy with 16, I don't even need 21, but that's the focus. So for you, it is also about shifting your focus. Instead of focusing on being perfect, focus on, for example, getting a message across to your audience. And you can do this by writing down some affirmations or when you're preparing for a presentation or a a specific communication situation, writing down what your goal is. So write down, my goal for this meeting is to hear everyone's thoughts on this project. For, or, or my goal for this presentation is to share why I'm passionate about this topic. Ask yourself the question, what is my goal here? Even with an email, what is your goal? For example, my goal for this email is to clearly ask a question of my team. So when you start to ask yourself, what is my goal here? What am I trying? What do I really want to achieve? It takes the focus away from being perfect. 
So get really clear on what it is that you really want. Do you, do you, is your goal to be perfect? Is your goal to demonstrate how knowledgeable you are and how bulletproof you are? Probably not. I, had a, I was working with a client the other day and we were helping her to prepare for a difficult conversation with a colleague of hers. She wanted to give some feedback and she wasn't sure how it would be taken. And she said to me, Christina, my fear is that is how he's going to respond. I fear he's going to fight back and argue back. And I just, and I, and I want to be able to know what's going to happen. And I said, well, look, we don't know what's going to happen. But instead of striving to have this perfect conversation and understand and knowing how it's all going to unfold because ultimately it's out of our control I, I offered to her why don't you make the goal for this conversation to simply practice your communication skills because for her conflict was something she had avoided in the past and was something that she really didn't want to do and so I said to her hey this is a, an opportunity for you to practice having these difficult conversations. And your, your goal for this could be to simply observe your own mind, observe your emotions, observe if you start to get anxious, but that's it. We don't, the goal doesn't even need to be to resolve the issue. The goal could simply be to practice my communication skills. And that, and that shift of focus really helped her and she actually felt excited to have this conversation instead of dreading it. You know, whenever I sit down to prepare a podcast in my podcast template, the first question I have written down in my template is, what is the goal for this episode? Always. Because I need to understand for me what I'm trying to achieve here. And it reminds me that, oh, this isn't about me. This isn't about me demonstrating, you know, how good I am. This is about me helping my listeners to do X, Y, Z or to understand X, Y, Z. Right? So for me, my goal was, okay, I want my audience to think differently about perfectionism. That's it. That's the goal. And in fact, that's different to another goal I had from my, it was episode 80, also on perfectionism, where the goal was to show my listeners how they can overcome their perfectionist tendencies. So it was more of a how-to. So even though the topic was the same, the goal was a little bit different. So if you want to listen to that episode, it's episode 80. It's called, Is Your Perfectionism Holding You Back? So as you can tell, I get really excited and passionate about this subject because I see in so many people how much angst and anxiety it causes people. And this is one of those mindset shifts that is so powerful if you can learn to let it go. And I know what it's like. I used to be hugely perfectionist when it came to business, when it came to doing this podcast, when it came to doing everything, but I had to learn to let that go. So I hope those four big ideas resonated for you. I'll quickly recap. Number one, you don't have to be better than the other person. Just be better than yesterday. Just be better than yourself. Number two, when you chase perfection, you're chasing something that doesn't exist. Number three, when you try to be perfect and you fall short, it messes with your head. And number four, it takes 21 sets to win a slam. Just focus on that number. So it's more about shifting your focus. So my challenge for you, Rockstar, 
is to think about where in your life you might be aiming for perfection and how might you be able to shift this mindset or bring it top of mind. So next time you are writing an email, next time you are preparing for a meeting or a presentation or a conversation, be aware if you if your focus is on being perfect and then try to shift that focus to making it more about the other person and more about the overall goal that you want to achieve. And if you find this episode valuable, I would really love it if you could share it with a colleague or a friend or a family member. If you know someone who tends to get themselves worked up trying to be perfect all the time, maybe this is a good episode for them to listen to. So I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with someone. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want access to over 200 other episodes of Stand Out Get Noticed, then I invite you to join the C-Method Academy, which is our members-only training and accountability program. This is where we help you take your communication, your leadership and confidence to the next level where you get access to not just the back catalogue of podcasts, but also monthly webinars with me, as well as our online community who are there to support you in your development. For more information on the Academy and to join, go to thecmethod.com slash join. That's thecmethod.com slash join. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Keep on being awesome and I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. (laughs) 